Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. The first time I realized that Jesus took the absolute penalty, punishment, all of it for my sins, that was freedom for me. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to talk about grace and faith, living in the balance between grace, that's God's part, and faith, our part. And today is the beginning of my fourth and final week to be teaching on that here on TV. We're offering this book. I have this in multiple languages, uh, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. We also have a study guide that is designed specifically to teach Bible studies and disciple other people. And then we have DVDs that were taken from television, DVDs from a meeting, and then CDs from a meeting. And there's just a lot of ways that you can receive this teaching. And I encourage you to please take advantage of that. This week, what I want to begin to do is to talk about one of the, to me, the biggest benefits of understanding that God has already done everything by grace. And faith is not something I do that makes me worthy or makes me uh, or moves God. It's just my positive response to what God has already done. One of the greatest benefits of this is in my personal relationship with God. It has just taught me that God's love for me is unconditional. Now that is an easy thing to say, but the truth is most people believe God loves us more when we do well and He loves us less when we do worse. And there's varying degrees of interpretation on this. There are segments in the body of Christ that believe that every time you sin, you lose your salvation. And if you were to die before you get that sin confessed and under the blood that you'd die and go to hell. A lesser consequence, but it's still based on the same premise, a lesser interpretation is that no, you don't lose your salvation and go to hell, but you just lose your, your uh, benefits of salvation. God won't answer your prayer. He won't fellowship with you. He won't bless you. He won't give you joy. He won't give you peace. God won't have anything to do with you as long as you're living in sin. That's a lesser consequence, but it's the same principle. And I'm telling you, both of those things are wrong. If you truly understand the grace of God, then you'll understand that God loves you because He is love and not because you're lovely, that He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make God love you more by living good and you can't make God love you less by not living good. Now those are huge statements and I can guarantee you there are large segments of the body of Christ that would reject what I just said. But it's absolutely true. Let me just share some scriptures with you out of Romans chapter 5. I've already used these verses, but Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Go back and think about salvation. Did Jesus die for you and come and, and forgive your sins because you were such a wonderful person and you were so close? You were, I mean, just that close and... You, you nearly made it on your own. You just needed a little bit of help. I can, I can tell you that's absolutely not true. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, you, it doesn't matter if you miss heaven by an inch or if you miss it by a mile. All of us have sinned, come short of the glory of God. There was nobody that was so close to salvation. God didn't save us because we were so beautiful and we were so awesome and that He just loved us so much that He just had to give us the little bit of boost. No, I mean, we were... In, from God's standpoint, from a holy, almighty, pure God, God didn't commend His love toward us because of some worth and value and beauty that was in us. It was because totally that He is love. Over in the 16th chapter of the book of um, Ezekiel, I won't take time to read it, but it was the Lord speaking through Ezekiel to the nation of Israel and he was saying, you know, why did he redeem Israel? Why did he raise Israel up in the first place? Was it because they were so beautiful? It was because it was, they were better than any other nation on the face of the earth? Absolutely not. And then he goes through this illustration saying that it was like a woman who had a child and this child was just thrown out in the dirt. And, you know, the fluids that's on the child, it had caked up and it was covered in mud. Its umbilical cord wasn't cut. And he's using this to describe the way that Israel was when God found Israel and chose them. And I guarantee you, likewise, in a spiritual sense, in a symbolic sense, uh, we were like a child that was polluted in our own blood. We were rolling in the dirt. We weren't clothed. We weren't swaddled. Our navel cord wasn't cut. It wasn't because we were beautiful that Jesus died for us. It was because He loved us. It's like it says right here, when we were yet in sin, God commended His love toward us. You know, if you would just think about this and let the Holy Spirit give you some, some guidance in this, it would do away with so much of our religious teaching today. You didn't deserve to be saved. You didn't get saved because you had been fasting and praying and going to church and paying your tithes. Now, there may be some people who are already religious and living a relative holy life, but I can guarantee you the vast majority of people watching this program, man, you were living in sin. Many of you committing adultery, lying, stealing. You were bitter. You were angry. There was bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart, and on and on it goes. And you came to the Lord singing this song, just as I am without one plea. You did not promote your own holiness, but you put faith 100% in what God did for you and not what you were doing for Him. Because when most of us came for salvation, we weren't doing anything good. There was nothing to our credit. We didn't come proclaiming our own worth, our own value. And see, that's the way that we receive salvation. It was totally by grace through faith. And if you could understand, I've already used this verse, but Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. You weren't living holy before you got born again. You received it as a gift, not based on your performance. Likewise, now that we are born again, we shouldn't begin to start thinking that now we've got to live holy and earn the blessings of God. You know, when I was in the Baptist church, we had what was called the Roman road. Romans 3.23, Romans uh, 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10, 9 and 10, 13. 
And we would take a person through these scriptures and basically what it was to do was to just show you that it's not based on your goodness. It's a gift. God commends His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we would just stop right there. And we would take this verse out of context to make the point that God shows His love towards you when you are still in sin. That's not an untrue statement. It is the truth. But that's not the point that's being made. If you were to take this whole uh, statement here in context, the book of Romans is talking about the grace of God and it's written to Christians to get Christians to start trusting in the goodness and the grace of God and putting their faith in God's goodness instead of themselves. There were people that had come in and had been telling them that no, they had to live as a Jew. They had to be circumcised. They had to keep the Sabbath. They had to keep the feast days. They had to live holy and righteous according to the Old Testament law. And Paul wrote the book of Romans to preach the gospel, Romans 1.16. And he was just showing the grace of God. And right here in this fifth chapter, he said in the first part, in verse 1, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that anybody is ever going to have peace in their relationship with God is to put faith in what Jesus did and not faith in yourself. Even if you perform well and you do better than me or somebody else, if your faith is in your goodness, then you are going to fail probably sooner rather than later, but you will fail. And when you fail, if your faith is in yourself and in your goodness, then all of your faith will fail and you'll be up and down like a yo-yo. That's the way that many people live. But this says being justified by faith in what Jesus has done for us is how we have peace with God. The only way you can truly have a relationship with God where there is peace and you aren't fearful of losing everything and failing and messing up. The only way to do that is by putting faith in what God has already accomplished by grace. In verse 2, it says, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I've already used this verse many times during this series. And then he goes on to talk about that we aren't only rejoicing in the great things, but we rejoice in tribulations also because we know that even if we have problems, that God's love is still consistent for us. How can he say that? Because, now see, this is the context of that verse I was using. Verse 8, God commended his love toward us in the while we were yet sinners. The reason he could have confidence that even if he failed, even if he messed up, even if things went bad, that God would still love him is because the way he received the love of God wasn't when he was perfect. It wasn't when he was doing everything right. God commended his love towards him and that while he was yet a sinner, Christ died for him. And then verse 9 is the actual point that's being made. It says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So again, I say that we often take Romans 5, 8 out of context and say God commends His love towards the sinner and He loved him. And even though that's a true statement, that is not the point that's being made. What He's doing is saying the reason I have confidence that God's love is going to stay with me and the reason I have peace, I'm justified by faith and that's how I have peace. The reason this happens is because I didn't deserve God's love in the first place. That's not how I received it and so I'm not going to keep it by my goodness. I don't have to feel like I received it by grace, but now I've got to earn 
all of the blessings of God to keep it. See, that, that's contrary. And he's saying, no, God commended his love towards me. And while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. And now that I am born again, much more does God love me now. Did you know that people wouldn't say it this way, but if you were to go by the experience of most people, the average Christian believes that God loved them before they were saved. But now that they are saved, he has increased the demands. He is so much more strict and you have to perform and do everything just right. You receive salvation, which was the greatest miracle that you could possibly receive as a total grace gift. But you're going to have to receive healing, deliverance, prosperity, joy, peace, and all of these things through your effort. Now, again, they wouldn't say it that way, but I can guarantee you that's how people feel. And this is the exact reason that it's relatively easy to get saved. If you wanted to just look at, really, it, it's, it should be harder to get saved than it is to get healed, to receive your finances, to have joy and peace and all of these things. Those things should be relatively easy compared to getting your sins forgiven. When you first got born again, you didn't have any goodness to your credit. All of your righteousness was as filthy rags. You didn't have one thing to bring to the Lord and say, oh God, I'm worthy of you saving me. But no, you had to come and just say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you didn't trust in any of your goodness. And you received the greatest gift, salvation. Compared to that and you being totally destitute, now that you're born again, you may still not be the person you're supposed to be, but at least you've responded positively to the Lord and you've received salvation. At least you are watching a Christian television program. At least you read your Bible some. At least you pray. I mean, you have so much more to your credit now than you did when you first got born again. It seems like it ought to be easier to get salvation, I mean, healing and deliverance and prosperity than it is the initial born-again experience of salvation. But why is it that for most people you got saved easily and yet it's hard to get healed, etc.? It's because once you get born again, you fall into this thing of thinking, now I've got to earn it. Now I've got to go to church and do all these things. You know, there are actually people who talk about, they, they actually have terminology for this, that they say you go through this honeymoon period that when you first get born again, it's just like on a honeymoon. Everything's wonderful. When you first get born again, the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, the birds sound better. Everything is just awesome. Everything is fine. But then after a while, you know, reality sets in and now the Christian life becomes hard and you got to start earning this. The honeymoon's over. Now you're down to the nitty gritty. You're having to learn how to walk with the Lord. And they actually teach that that's a good thing. When I was in the church that I grew up in, they used to teach that, you know, there are these mountaintop experiences where everything is just awesome, but it's in the valleys where the water flows and where the crops grow. And God is going to put you through these hard times and you're going to struggle, etc. And they, they presented it as a godly thing. And they talked about the honeymoon period, that that's over now, these hard times. This is God doing this to you, that these mountaintops are over. You're in the valley. This is where real growth comes what really is happening is that when a person first gets born again, they were told that their relationship with God was totally by grace. And so they just put faith in God and they believe what was told them that now I am forgiven of all sin. 
that God isn't mad at me anymore. And because of that, the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, the birds sound better. And it's because they are putting faith in grace and they are just rejoicing in all of this goodness that's given to them. But then after they get saved, they go to church. And the typical church will sit there and say, oh yeah, you're forgiven, but you know what? Unless you pray, unless you come to church, unless you start putting tithe money in, unless you read your Bible an hour a day, unless you start doing this and this and this, God won't answer your prayer. And the person who just got born again said, but I, you told me that it was all by grace. I just received it based on what God did. And you say, oh yeah, that's the way you get saved. But now you've got to maintain your relationship with God through being holy and doing this. And people take their attention away from Jesus and what He's done for them and they start putting it upon themselves. That's comparable to Peter walking on the water. As long as he was looking at Jesus, he was able to do the miraculous. He was able to walk on water. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the natural realm and relating to everything around him in just his own strength and power, he began to sink. Christians are sinking because they've been told that, yeah, you get saved by grace, but you're going to be maintained through your own effort. Now, it wouldn't be put in those words, but that is the message that's coming across. And people take their eyes off of Jesus. They get to looking at themselves and they say, well, man, now they're more aware of their sin than they were before. Before they could go out and, you know, get drunk. They could go shoot up dope and everybody else was doing it and they'd kind of numb themselves to it. They knew at a heart level it was wrong, but they weren't really convicted about it. And they'd just go out and sin with the best of them. But now that they're born again, man, just don't read your Bible one day and you get your heart smites you and you feel like, oh God, I failed you. Man, back before you were born again, you never felt convicted about not reading the Bible. But now that you're born again, you're so sensitive that if you just skip one day not reading the Bible, if you have an argument with your wife or your husband on the way to church, you now are aware that, man, I'm in strife. Before you lived that way, you never even thought anything about it. See, it's because we quit relating to God by grace through faith and we get to putting our focus on ourselves. I'm telling you one of the greatest benefits of understanding grace and faith to me is that I now understand that I got saved not because I deserved to be saved, but because I needed to be saved. It was totally the goodness of God. And that's how I got started now much more, much more now. If I could accept that God loved me and I got born again without deserving any of it, now much more now, not much less, but much more. Now, I can believe that God loves me even when I mess up. And somebody's thinking, well, boy, this is just going to turn people loose to go out and live in sin and think, well, the God loves them in spite of what they've done. The grace of God doesn't set me free to sin. It sets me free from the guilt and the penalty attached to sin. Understanding that God loves me has made me so appreciative of what God has done for me that it doesn't make me want to go live in sin. I want to live holier than I ever did before because I love God so much. I don't want to do anything that would displease Him. I don't want to do anything that would give Satan an inroad into my life. You're just wasting your breath when you're telling me that, man, preaching on the grace of God encourages people to go live in sin. If they ever understand it and receive it as a revelation from God, 
It's just like Titus chapter 2, verse 12 says, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly and righteously and justly in this present evil world. The grace of God draws people to holiness. It doesn't empower sin. It empowers you to overcome sin. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace breaks the dominion of sin. It doesn't encourage you to sin. It frees you from sin. Man, that's powerful. You know, there's many people that right now, if somebody was to come into your church and if they were drunk, high on dope, or had some visible effect of sin in their life, you would go over and minister the grace of God to them as long as you believe that they weren't born again. You believe that God commended His love towards the sinner and you'd go over and tell this drunk or doper or whatever that God loves you and you'd minister to them. But if they accepted that and got born again and came back next week drunk again, high on dope again, the very same people who went and told that person that God loves you would now go over and say, God's angry. God's going to punish you. God's going to judge you. You cannot receive your answers to prayer if you continue to do this kind of stuff. You administer grace towards a lost man, but you administer rejection and punishment to some degree towards a saved person that has a sin in their life. That's not right. Colossians 2, 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. If God loved you enough that while you were yet a sinner, He died for you, much more now does He love you. Now, am I saying that you should encourage a person to live in sin? No, but you ought to go and show the same love and compassion. And you go to the person who's now born again and still is failing in some area of their life and you just go and say, look, God loves you. It's not a matter of whether God loves you. God loves you if you're drunk. God loves you if you get high on dope. God's not going to reject you. But you won't receive the goodness of God because you are just opening up the door to the devil. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes for no other purpose except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Satan is trying to destroy you. And by you yielding to him, you're just letting him take your joy away. He's going to take your money away. He's going to take your health away. He's going to destroy relationships. You don't want to do this, but God loves you. See, that's the way that I would approach it. I wouldn't sit there and minister God's rejection. No, God loved them in that while he was yet a sinner, he died for him. Much more now that he's a believer, does God love him. But you could reason with him to quit living in sin, not because God's going to quit loving him or reject him, but because it gives a Satan an inroad against them. It's hurting them. It's destroying them. I'm telling you, this truth about grace and faith has totally changed the way that I understand and receive the love of God. That's the greatest benefit to me. I've got a lot more to share on this and I'll continue it on our program tomorrow. Let me mention again that I have this teaching entitled Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. We have a lot of ways for you to get this material. I know it would be a blessing to you. Ministry is about you coming to the end of yourself, your resources, but never losing that heart for people. Just the depth of the teaching that has been presented at the Army conferences, that's a whole nother level. I think we are in the midst of one of the greatest things that God has done. Things are coming down 
and new things are being birthed. There's new joy, there's new life that is flowing out of them. And we're not going to quit, and we're not going to give up, and we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You are not alone. It's not just you and Jesus. We believe in you, and we're going to stand with you. You came here with some kind of a vision. Now what do you see? Thank you for joining us on today's broadcast of The Gospel Truth, and a very heartfelt thank you to all who sow into Andrew Womack Ministries. Your generosity supports the sharing of God's unconditional love and grace to His kids all over the globe. Because of you, people are getting free resources and their lives are being changed. You really are making a difference. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you. One that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book, and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember, you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, seven days a week at awmi.net. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of March, Andrew will be hosting the Army Conference for Ministers with special guest, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Representative Bob McEwen, Dr. Barry Burns, and Barry Bennett. 
In the month of April, Andrew will be hosting several events at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. First, he'll be hosting the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days with Karis instructors Barry Bennett, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Rick McFarland, Daniel Bennett, and Lawson Perdue. Next, Andrew will be hosting the new musical, David, the King of Jerusalem. And lastly, in April, he'll be hosting a special concert with John Tesh and Dave Bell in the Moment Band. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net.